Welcome to the Royal Alliance UK podcast, episode number 91, The Caves of Steel. Um, obviously, we're off to the Steel City and it references that, but also my love of Isaac Asimov. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go and look it up. It will change your life. Here with my co-host Stephen Collins. How you doing, man? I'm all good. Get some anorak points in there straight away for those <laughs> sci-fi geeks. I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. I actually was just talking to Claire the Bear Um 20 minutes ago or so and she's a she's a proper geek too i uh, kind of she's gonna go to comic-con and meet these really cool people and i'm like oh man i'm so jealous welcome to everyone listening whether you're on the uh, audio pod or you're live on youtube and twitch appreciate you being here don't forget that we're running our own discord channel now if you want to chat with a load of lions fans about the games about sport about life in general DMs open on Twitter, hit us up, we'll send you a link. Don't forget to like and sub to the podcast on YouTube, Twitch, whatever. Got the College Football Podcast, if you've not seen that yet. Ant and Ryan do a fantastic job with that. They've just done a review of Week 10, going into some great depth about that. And, you know, with us possibly getting the number one overall pick, it's going to become more important than ever as the weeks go by. And if you didn't see it, we've joined Lions Nation Unite. You'll want to hit up that app. It gives you all the best information that a Lions fan needs, all of the best um, hobby content creators you could ever want. So go and download the app, lionsnationunite.com. Just another quick bit of housekeeping. Today was Veterans Day in the States, and it's called Remembrance Day in the UK. So a couple of minutes silence was held at 11 o'clock on the 11th of the 11th to mark the veterans that, you know, who, who, who have been the wars, whether they're with us, whether they're not. And, you know, it's a, a really good thing. And obviously there's the NFL salute to service brands where they don't make any money from that, all the proceeds or profit, not sure which one, but all the money in some fashion goes to veterans causes. So if you do want to invest in some new merch, I urge you to go and do that. Big day, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just going back to your previous point, um, massive shout out to Ryan, who represented Royal the Lions on the Lions uh, Unite um, sort of chat room um, on their first broadcast, and he, he was brilliant. So um, big shout out to, to Ryan, um, keeping it real for the fans in the UK. Absolutely. I mean, there was an all-star cast of people alongside Herman Moore who chaired it. There was, you know, Micro Mike and Dose of Dion and, you know, all of like the really big so it's a really great thing you should go and check that out um right let's get started we're obviously going to go into the news and then we're going to hit up the lions at pittsburgh games so we'll start off with the news that Jalen elliott the safety has been signed to the active roster from the practice squad he's been elevated twice couldn't elevate him anymore we needed him clearly so he's come up nick eubanks the tight end and travis johnson have been signed to the practice squad must admit i wasn't familiar with these guys I haven't been a fan of the college game for particularly long, but I know that Nick Eubanks, the tight end, is six foot five and is from University of Michigan. So I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people familiar with him already. Travis Johnson, the wide receiver, six four, comes from Montana State. So another big bodied wide out there, but they haven't actually played any regular season games as yet. So we had um, Nick Eubanks spent some time with the Cowboys and Eagles earlier on this season. Travis Johnson was on the Buccaneers practice squad until recently. Uh, but the big bit of news we've got to cover, wide receiver Josh Reynolds has been claimed off waivers. So Reynolds, obviously previously with the Rams last year and actually had a very good season last year. He had uh, 52 receptions for 618 yards and two touchdowns with Jared Goff. He was then signed to Tennessee after being rumoured as to be a target of our own and at Tennessee he actually had a fairly good start to this if you have a look at what he did in individual games uh, week four was his second game at the Jets and he had six receptions on nine targets for 59 yards you know that's nothing to be sniffed at but since Julio Jones has gone there he's found himself not getting much reps so he got cut obviously we're number one in the waiver priority so he's come this way he's 
six foot 396 pounds so it could be potentially that big body receiver on the outside that we've been lacking so far um and then i've got here just aaron Rodgers. maybe we'll put that to one side and talk about that in a minute but some comings and goings steve to talk about yeah and i think um the reynolds signing is i think a great move for the lions franchise um you know we i think we covered on the, the last podcast the um obj chat um, and I think we were all fairly decisive in terms of our um, view on, on that particular BS. Um, but I think Reynolds is a completely different kettle of fish. Um, you know, this is something that I think we've all been crying out for, a legitimate target and also someone that um, will hopefully fit into the culture, isn't a massive diva, isn't going to, you know, make waves, but is going to fit into the team and add something different. Um is Josh Reynolds going to make us a, a playoff contention team? No, he's not. Is Josh Reynolds going to be um, a usable component in our offence to get it going in terms of the passing game um, and hopefully make the difference in those games where it's tight and we need to like you know make some plays on offence to get a win? Absolutely. So for me, this is a, this is a great signing. I think the thing for me, and, and what up to Darth Twerg and Ken Stowder and Depp Fanman who joined the chat, about Reynolds is that he's obviously got chemistry with Goff. Goff is used to throwing to this guy. He's going to have some trust there. And this guy has got, you know, 600 yards in an offense where he's clearly the number three wide receiver, if not number four, because people forget the last year. I think Van Jefferson was still there at kind of 3A, 3B along with this guy. So you know, behind Cup, behind Woods, and he's still got 600 yards. So he's clearly, you know, fairly content to be a bit part player. And yet he's going to clearly come in as the WR1 here. So, you know, that's something. But I do fear that he's a big body receiver with not massive top end speed. When we started with Goff here, we were sold on the notion that this was going to be a separation based offense wide receiver offense he's clearly more of the contested catch variety and it was always said about Goff he struggles to throw into tight windows into tight coverage he doesn't like doing it and I wonder if if Reynolds is the one guy you have to cover well they'll just double him leave everyone else one-on-one -on -one, and really try and stop the run and I think that it's something that we had to try like not trying is damning like really damning but i i worry that it's not going to have the impact that some people think it's going to yeah and um I, I i've not actually seen anything of reynolds this season but i did see um a bit of him last season and i really liked what i saw um but yeah I, 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 in, let's not no let's not sort of get ourselves you know um fooled in any other franchise this would be you know he would be a wide receiver too um, but he is absolutely going to come into us as our number one target. Um, and yeah, he's he's going to take some of the heat off Raymond and, you know, like a rookie like St. Brown. Um, and he's going to give us, you know, like an extra piece of the jigsaw that, that hopefully is going to be able to make a difference. Because, you know, the, let's face it, since Cephas got injured, it's been real hard going through the air. Um, I mean, it's been hard going with golf all season, but you know, the guy needs to have some targets. And I think I think this is like the kind of level receiver that we should be going for. He's not going to upset, I think, the balance of the team, um, but he will just hopefully give us something a little bit extra. Um, and like I said, Raymond has shown flashes. Some Brown I've been a bit disappointed with, but, you know, I think this, this is his chance. Um, we're adding into that wide receiver room. Um, and, and hopefully we'll see some good production out of him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a couple of other bits of news, actually, which I didn't put on, but I should have done. Iffy Melifon will back to practice alongside cornerback returner Corey Ballantyne. I know Ballantyne played one game and then got injured, and so did Melifon early in the year, but that could be really big news for us, for especially like in the cornerback room. It's not played particularly well, but it's, it's massively outperformed its draft status, should we say. But if, if he can come back, and I mean, he's still very raw, but it's encouraging signs, especially with Decker coming back and it looks like he might play. 
the Lions slowly but surely are getting healthy again. Yeah, let's get Iffy some snaps and get him some experience so that, you know, this the whole season isn't a write-off and hopefully, you know, for the start of next season, he will, you know, he'll have gained some experience and, you know, just, just be a little bit more advanced in his development um, than he would be if he spent the season on, on IR. Yeah, definitely. Right. Let's just speak for a minute about Aaron Rodgers. So, we know what happened. Everyone know what happened. But just to reiterate it, he said he was immunised, which everyone took to mean vaccinated. He wasn't vaccinated. He just boosted his immune, which is not any definition of immunisation. Um, and, you know, the team had to have known, but potentially the way the Rodgers has handled this, how much and how many people knew, yet to be seen. I actually almost don't blame the Packers about this. I almost entirely blame Rodgers, but the league have decided what the punishment is going to be. And if I recall rightly, I don't have it in front of me, but I think the fine for Rodgers was $15,000 and the fine for the Packers was $300,000 and no draft picks. Now, given what happened last year with New Orleans and them repeatedly breaking protocol and losing the draft pick, this was a, an isolated but much more egregious breach of the regulations. And Rogers has made a mockery of the regs. Like, it's just, he has not only disregarded it, but he has sought to mask the fact, obfuscate the fact that he has not complied with the regulations. He has put people's lives at risk. And... A $15,000 fine when he's getting paid $40 million a year or whatever he's getting paid. It's it's horrific. It's it's obscene. I don't have a question. I just have a statement. I don't know what you think. Um, I think what I think is that what I really want to see now is a, a, a movement begin. And that movement needs to be a movement of immunologists and virologists um, taken to the NFL field. You know, um, let's get the virologists on the field playing quarterback um, because that's the equivalent of what Rogers is doing. Rogers thinks he's smarter than everyone else. Rogers, as I said in our preseason uh, pod, is a sociopath um, who has got a massively inflated ego. Um, he craves attention. Um, he is desperate to show everyone that he's smarter than everyone else. You know, so this is a, a quarterback someone who is good at throwing the ball, sometimes while running, sometimes while standing still. Um, and he thinks he knows better than, you know, scientifically qualified immunologists and virologists. Um, it's very symptomatic of his ego and his personality. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, we don't see scientists telling quarterbacks how to throw the ball. Yeah. But Rogers is quite happy to um, you know, hold his own. I mean, how he even went on the Pat McAfee show. Um, you know, the guy's got some balls. Let's face it. To just you know, front it out, give a bit of a, an apology, but it's all a bit half baked, and then kind of like crack a few jokes. I mean, it, it, when you think about the danger of misinformation and how much you know, we've seen lives lost through misinformation um, and you know, false flags over the last you know two years and and as a public figure and a, a celebrity even you know he's a sportsman first but he is a celebrity he has a responsibility in terms of how he behaves and unfortunately because of the size of ego he you know he just can't um he, he just doesn't have the self-control not to do it and i think from the nfl point of view i think um i've seen a couple of tweets on this where the size of his fine and you compare it to C.D. Lamb's untucked jersey and what he was fined. I think he was fined three times as much as Rogers for having an untucked jersey last week. And that kind of really um, says very much how the NFL um, deals with these like, you know, superstar divas. They just do not have the cutting edge just to deal with them. They should throw him out for three games and, and make an example of him. But instead, yeah. you know, it's kind of oh, it's just Rogers being Rogers. Well, that's not really good enough. No. So I see this in, in two different ways. First, first way is 
we have lots of fans of this show who are anti-vax. And on some level, I'm kind of like, your beliefs are your own. Like, I do not want to be preachy towards you and your beliefs, because everyone is entitled to their own beliefs, and that's fine. But the NFL, effectively, is a private club. It's a private club that has its own rules. So you can play by the rules of your employer, because they are the ones who effectively are giving you your paycheck, or you can retire and just do something else. It's got plenty of money, doesn't need the money. At the end of the day... They're the ones that set the rules. And whether you think that's fair or not, you break them, you should suffer the consequences. And my God, the NFL is like horrifically weak. I agree with Gino. Gino says in the chat, his body, his choice. Absolutely. But his choice is, if it's his body, his choice, and he doesn't want the vaccine, he's not allowed to play. Or he can play, but he must comply with the regulations, which are set down in terms of wearing masks, when you're doing interviews because the journalists have families that they care about and the rules are being set down to protect everyone. The second point, the second different way that I see this is (laughs) he may be right. You know, I cannot definitively say that Rogers is wrong, but what I would say is if Rogers is right, everyone's fine. Okay. We can wear masks. He cannot wear a mask. He cannot be vaccinated. We can be vaccinated. If he's right, Everyone's going to be fine. But if, like, 1995, 99% of scientists believe he's wrong, then lots of people could die. And if you just play the percentages, the smart play is to say, I'm going to follow the rules, because if in the likelihood that I'm wrong, and if I think I'm right, I've got to entertain the likelihood that I'm wrong, even to a small degree. Let's say 5% of the time I'm wrong. Where 5% of the time I'm wrong, lots of people die. That's really bad. Like, fundamentally, there's something wrong with someone who has such a, a god complex that they think that they're more important than just basic math. I mean, this this isn't this isn't th- that kind of debate. This isn't like a debate about, say, like smacking children. You know, should children be smacked? Some people think, yeah, discipline's important. Some people say, absolutely not. It, you know, that's a, a a legitimate argument where there is differing opinion on either side and there is evidence each way um, and you can make your own opinion. Um, but, you know, it, it is a matter of opinion. This is not that kind of argument. This is a scientific argument and there is a massive weight of evidence that says Rogers is wrong. Rogers is talking shit. Rogers had the nerve to say on the Pat McAfee show, yeah, we know, I've been talking to a, a few of my friends who are really clued up about the environment. Who have you been talking to? Joe Rogan? Uh, you know, another qualified scientist? I don't think so. You know, like, stop misinforming people. It's just absolutely shocking from a moral point of view. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. So I'm just typing up a question that someone's put in our chat because I think it's an interesting one to finish off with. It's nothing to do with the game. It's to do with uh, a draft. But to be honest, I mean, the draft is what we have right now. So I'm going to put that in there. So annual Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it's not very far away. So, right. Anyway, let's crack on with talking about the game because we spent enough time on that absolute Uh, waster. Um, Talking of... uh... Uh, absolute idiot. So, are we, are we not going to mention Cam Newton? Should we? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, here, here's a question for the listeners. Feel free to answer this in the chat. What is Cam Newton going to be wearing in his first post-game press conference? I'm I'm, I'm happy to to, to hear uh, opinions. I mean, he should just. I mean, he's he's got four and a half million dollars guaranteed, so he should walk in like a fucking doll. Like, you are my bitch, Panthers. Like, you had no reason to pay me at all, but yet here I am, kneel at my feet. Like, I'm I'm thinking um, a light blue um, sort of suit with a fedora with a large feather out of it, looking like a sort of 1970s pimp, maybe. I think that's what he'd go for to to say I'm back. So like a kind of long, kind of 
black and silver stick and like a purple robe or something like that. It looks sort of Snoop Dogg circa 1997. Did somebody say Just Eat? Anyway. Um, <laughs> they're not paying us. Never mind. Um, right. Lions at Pittsburgh. In the betting, Lions 27 to 10 outsiders. Steelers 7 to 2 on. The spread is 8.5 points in favour of the Steelers. Over under at 42 and a half. So they think it's going to be a very low scoring game. In terms of the injury report, it's not out yet for Thursday as a yet, although we do know who hasn't who hasn't appeared. So Wednesday for the Steelers, they just did a walkthrough, but they estimated that Rocklesburg and Claypool would not have practiced. And then Spillane, Bugs, Haywood, and Ebron were in some fashion on the report carrying an injury, although Ebron limited, looks like he could be trending towards playing. Cameron Haywood was full practice, so they probably don't have to worry about that. Listening to the prior Detroit... I've genuinely forgotten Ebron existed. You've literally just reminded me of his existence. I've completely forgotten about him. I mean... I I thought he disappeared off the face of the earth. With Pat Fryermuth, he shouldn't get on the field again, so we don't need to worry about him, really. Uh, I was listening to the Pride of Detroit preview podcast. The Steelers man that they had on suggested that there should be no chance, not no chance, but very little chance for Chase Claypool appearing in this game, which I found interesting. For the Lions, Jamal Williams did not practice yesterday or today. The other people on the report all practiced yesterday and today. It's Austin Bryant, Deshaun Cornell, yesterday although I thought Cornell was actually was on the non-football injury list, but never mind. Austin Siebert, Taylor Deckett and AJ Parker. Uh, Dave Fitt, the special teams coordinator, has come out and said he doesn't know whether Siebert's actually going to be fit enough to play. He's got a right hip injury. Decker, in full practice, looks like he is trending towards playing at left tackle. So, Decker at left, Saul at right. Everything's going to be good with the Lions' offensive line, isn't it, Steve? Um, You know, I I think we've got a a chance in in terms of holding our own. I think the the issue is there's been a lot of teams who have had a chance against the Steelers and they've somehow ground out a lot of wins. Um, And, I mean, you look at Big Ben. This is not someone that we should fear. This is a a lumbering, past his sell-by date. Uh, I mean, he's like running through treacle in the first quarter and by the fourth quarter, he's literally sort of paralysed um, and yet he still seems to be able to make the throws um, yeah, I, th- I think for anyone to say that this is going to be you know, an easy game, the best chance we've got of winning I think they need to look at the Steelers run that they've been on in the last three or four matches um, I, I think we've got a lot, a lot to worry about even though it may seem that they're a, a fairly kind of toothless animal yeah, so I think this is the easiest game we have in our run coming up. <laughs> I really do. I mean, it says a lot about who we've got coming up. Well, I th- it depends on the strength of the, t- the teams that are put out. But at this particular moment in time, the Steelers are very much in contention. You know, the, the AFC North, we've seen some tumultuous results. Um, you know, the Browns are, are incredibly up and down. The Bengals have had a fantastic run but the wheels seem to have come off and the Steelers seem to be nowhere and and, and all of a sudden they're kind of back in it the you know the Ravens every week is like a knife edge they're, they're a bit like the kind of equivalent to the Vikings um in the NFC North so you know the Steelers are absolutely going to be out to beat us and there's Mike Tomlin is not the kind of coach that's going to be telling his team you know it's only Detroit we're going to just stroll onto Ford Field and field and, and and get the W. It's very true. Let me take you through the Steelers' season so far. So they're five and three. Per pro football reference, their expected win-loss total is three point eight to four point two. So that would suggest that they've been exceedingly lucky so far. Football Outsiders has it a bit closer to to what it is, which is four point six. Um, but that's twenty seventh. That doesn't sound right. But anyway, whatever. Um, Total DVOA, 19th in the league at 0.2%. The games they've had so far, they beat Buffalo in week one. You know, one of the Super Bowl contenders coming into the season. They then lost three straight at home to Vegas, at home to the Bengals, and away against Green Bay. 
But since going 1-3 and three to start, they've won the last four. At home against Denver, at home against Seattle, away at Cleveland, and at home to the Bears. Now, you look at that most recent run, and I say the Bears are awful and played well in that game. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns are up and down, as Steve said. Seattle without Wilson, and Denver with a good roster, but... Bridgewater is Bridgewater. I would say it's not the strongest four-game stretch. Um, but they've still won every game. So, you know, you've got to give them their props for that. And, and um, the, Browns have, the Browns could well have got the strongest overall roster in the AFC, I think. Yeah. Whether they're the best team, probably not. But in terms of roster strength, they're pretty formidable. Yeah. Don't disagree with that whatsoever. Um, moving on to the offence. They've scored 161 points. That's 20 points a game, 23rd in the NFL. DVOA on offense is 0.7, negative 0.7%. It's 18th in the league. Passing offense, 196 on 300 targets, 65%. 1,886 yards, 10 touchdowns and four interceptions. That ranks middle of the pack, apart from interceptions, which is very low. 5.9 yards per attempt, net yards per attempt. It's 26th in the NFL, but it's not too far away from Gottfish levels. 18 sacks suffered, 5.7% of dropbacks, and five fumbles Rockersberger's had, which is also comparable to Goff. So, you know, this is an offense which is going to resemble our own. Make no mistake about it. Rushing, 195 attempts is 22nd. 707 rushing yards is 28th. Six touchdowns. 3.6 yards per attempt is 29th in the NFL for a rushing-based team. Third down conversions, 45 on 110 attempts is 41% and is 14th in the NFL on fourth down, 4 of 11 for 36% and 26th. In the red zone, they're reasonably efficient. 13 of 21 trips ends in a touchdown, 62% is 14th. Roethlisberg has got a passer rating of 90, a QBR of 42, and a PFF rate of 57.7. Najee Harris, the high-profile rookie running back, 150 attempts, 541 yards, and four touchdowns. Only 3.6 yards per attempt, as I said earlier, which ranks 29th in the NFL. But in the receiving game, 40 of 52 for 289 and two touchdowns. A PFF grade of 68.4, which is one of the highest on the team. So this team is anemic offensively, but that ranking would suggest that his issues and yards per attempt are not necessarily the team's issues, but perhaps the offensive line's issues. Not his issues, but the offensive line's issues. Deontay Johnson's the leading receiver. 45 for 69, 530 and three touchdowns and a PFF grade of 76. Chase Claypool, he's probably going to be out of this game, but he's also a massive threat as a second receiver generally. 25 for 52, 433 and a touchdown, PFF grade of 67. Then Fryermuth. Another rookie coming out of nowhere. They went running back to tight end their first two picks. And they've been some of the biggest performers on the team so far. Frymuth in relief of Ebron, 27 of 33. So not many drops there. 245 yards and four touchdowns leads the team with a PFF grade of 80.6. In the uh, offseason, they replaced all uh, four of their five starters on the O-line. They actually, from week one, replaced all of their starters, but... After week three, someone started most of their games. So, it, on the whole, replaced four of their five starters on the line, and that that has not worked out for them. PFF grades sixty-eight in pass blocking and fifty-six in run blocking. So, overhaul on that offensive line. People thought it wasn't going to work. It hasn't, but it's been combated by Roethlisberger getting the ball out quickly, thrown short, which gives that low net yards per target. They're not blocking Paris, but he's still getting reasonably good yards per attempt. And, you know, they're, they're kind of trying to take the defense away from themselves by doing jet sweeps to Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. And as you'll recall, in, in the last game against the Eagles, the Lions had massive problems against the jet sweep with um, Jalen Rager before he left for injury. So, this is an offense which one will recognize very much, but two we might struggle with, Steve. Yeah, I think if I can just take a very cautionary sip of Kool-Aid, um, this is not an offense that we should be scared of. Um, this is not an offense that's going to put 40 points on the board. You, you would hope not. This is an offense that, um, you know, the, the, the kind of 
MO of the, the Steelers all season has been to start fairly hot, take an early lead, um, and then it all slowly grinds to a halt and they end up winning the game with a defensive stop or Ben finds, you know, a pass just enough to, to you know, mount a drive uh, and kick a field goal. They've won a lot of close games this season. Um, and, yeah, we absolutely shouldn't be afraid of this offence. However, um, you know, Najee Harris has been up and down. Like last week, he couldn't couldn't really get it done against the Bears. The Bears shut him down. Um, I'm not, I, I think he only rushed for about 50 or 60 yards against the Bears. But, you know, he has been explosive. And he's also very good, a bit like DeAndre Swift, at catching the ball out of the backfield and making yards after the catch. So I think that is definitely something for us to be aware of. And Firemuth looks, you know, the real deal. He looks a great pick um, in, in terms of tight end. Um, he's not the quickest, but he can certainly make a contested catch, which he's proved in pre-season, but also, you know, regularly through, throughout um, the last few games. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is one of the easier offences to combat that we have coming up, but they still have some reasonable weapons so, you know, I don't think we should take them lightly. Um, but if the defence does get itself together, we, we certainly should be able to put some pressure on Ben. And I mean, you know, Ben, like I said, is so slow. So what I would like to see is not what happened against the Eagles when we just didn't generate any pressure. I think for me, Aaron Glenn really needs to dial up some blitzes um, and, and, and put Ben under pressure. I mean, that's the key, isn't it? We, we we must stop Najee Harris. And if they beat us through the air, so be it. And, you know, we talked in the half-season review about the fact that Glenn is protecting his rookie secondary, his undrafted free agent secondary group, apart from Akuda. Um, and, well, you know, Harris might as well be a rookie at this point. He's playing like one. Uh, Walker's good. Fine. Whatever. But, you know, it's an inexperienced group. He is protecting them by playing too high, and that is not helping our run support. And at some level, at some point, he has to go, I'm going to change this. I'm going to risk being burned over the top to stop the run. And if you can do that, we've got a really good chance in this game. So let's see what happens. But I don't know. It's the misdirections. So they're starting to throw in, you know, the, the counters and the sweeps and that sort of thing. And I fear that we are... Not reading that very well. Jalen Reeves Maven starts. He doesn't do well against this sort of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, um, Ben, although Ben's had a lot of fumbles, he's not thrown an interception since week four. Um, and, but, I mean, I, I watched um, them play the Browns. I mean, there was a lot of close calls. Um, you know, he could have thrown some interceptions because, you know, he was not thrown well. Um, and, and like I said, I think both against the Browns and the Broncos, uh, they had plenty of chances to for, for a pick. Um, but so, you know, I, I don't think he is infallible as a QB in terms of his current form. Um, but, you know, in terms of how we've schemed, we, we've consistently given QBs too much time to throw. And I think the key this week is to put pressure on him and either force him into a run when he's very vulnerable for fumbles or, you know, um, big losses, um, you know, runs for losses, um, or, you know, just just absolutely nail him with a blitz. Um, because it's, it's not as though they have a lot of receivers that are going to take the top of our defence. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, if you have a look at how they've been graded per PFF on offence, if you take everyone who's taken 25 snaps or more this season, which is not exactly a big number, it's less than one full game's worth, they only have eight players ranked above 60. I mean, it's not a good offense if you just take it on that point. Uh, you've got a lot of, you know, guard centers, tackles up there in terms of reasonable grades, but actually, Dan Moore has not played well at left tackle. Kendrick Green struggled center. If this offensive line for the Steelers holds up, it's going to be a very long day for us. That is where we have to win this game. If yeah. we cannot win it up front, we're done. 
But that we knew that all along when we came into the season. We knew we had to run the ball. We knew we had to stop the run and get pressure. And if we could do those two things, then great. And if we can't, don't worry about it. You know, um, <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah. Right. Let's move on to the defense. So they've conceded 169 points, 21.1 points per game, which is eighth in the NFL. DVOA of minus 0.4% is 13th, so slightly better than average. Passing um, allows 176 on 272 attempts. That's 64.7%. 1,956 yards is 15th. 12 passing touchdowns is 10th. But only three interceptions so far this season. That's 28th in the NFL. 6.7 net yards per attempt is 20th. But they've got 22 sacks. That's on 7.5% of dropbacks. That's very, very good. Rushing allowed 201 attempts is 13th. 878 yards is 15th. Four touchdowns against on the run is third in the NFL, but 4.4 yards per attempt is 20th. So they concede yards between the 20s in the run game, and people like to run it down their throat a little bit, but they tighten up when it comes to the red zone. And that is borne out by the conversion stats. On third down, 37 of 101 is 36.6%, which is eight. On fourth down, five of 11 is 15. They're 46% and 10th. But in the red zone, 25 trips, only 12 touchdowns. 48% is 4 in the NFL. So a very much bend-don't-break offense that is very good at bending and not breaking. They're led by Minka Fitzpatrick, the safety, with a pass defended, a forced fumble, 59 tackles, 42 of them solo. The other leading light of this defense is obviously TJ Watt, the, the edge outside linebacker. Four passes defended, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, 11 and a half sacks in six and a half games, 34 tackles, 26 of which solo, 11 tackles for a loss, 18 quarterback hits, and a PFF grade of 89.4. The single season sack record for the Steelers is 16 in a 16 game season. He has 11 and a half, and he's missed one and a half games so far. The other I mean, how can you forget this guy? Defensive tackle, Cameron Hayward. Cam Hayward. An interception in the game against the Bears, which was incredible. It means he has two for his career from the TT position, which is just really, really impressive. Six passes defended, batting the ball down at the line really well. A forced fumble on a fumble recovery. Two and a half sacks, 42 tackles, 25 groups solo, eight quarterback hits, and a team-leading PFF grade of 92.5. Or just going to the special teams as well. DBOA of half a percent, 17. Punter is half in the third. 34 punts at an average of 44 per pump. And Chris Boswell, one of the best in the league. 15 of 16 kicks. Field goals are good. 93.8% and extra points. He's missed one. 14 of 15 and a 44.7% touchback rate. So we're going to have some chances to bring the ball out from the end zone. Um it's one of those defences that has some really big star names, but it actually lacks elsewhere. So you've got to really pick your, you know, pick him off. Dan Campbell said, we're going to put our best on your worst. And this is the defence where you must do that. And you've got to know where TJ Watt is and where Mick Fitzpatrick is. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think we can all see where this is going. This is going to be a huge matchup between TJ Watt and I'm presuming they're going to put Sewell on him. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah. think so. Yeah. And, and so you know, you've got to look at this two ways. First, you know, one way you could say, well, this is a massive test for you know Sewell, rookie. Um, you know, it, TJ Watt is one of the most fearsome defenders. How is he going to react to this? But the other way of looking at it is, if they've got 22 sacks all season, and 11 and a half of them have come through TJ Watt. So if you neutralise what, we've got a real chance of, you know, giving Goff enough time to throw the ball. Um, That's a big if. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, they've, they've, not, they've not had many interceptions. Um, having said that, I mean, I, I really rate Terrell Edmonds as, one, as a really, really good safety. I think he's only had one interception so far. Um, and that kind of worries me. Is is it going to be against the Lions that he decides to have a game? Um, that, you know, they've got Mika Fitzpatrick, they've got Devin Bush. They do have uh, some really talented players on, on that roster. And also, 
you know, at playing at Heinz Field is not a great place to to go on the road. Um, the atmosphere is going to be intimidating, and it's going to be a massive test for particularly Saul, um, but you know, for some very inexperienced wide receivers as well. And you know, unfortunately, this does not look like a game for where Jared Goff is going to shine. This looks like a game where he could be a terrified, quivering jelly by the end of the first quarter. Um, we've seen that before. Um, we've seen, you know, how we made a very ordinary Eagles defense look good. So, you know, that that's my worry. I mean, if you if you would believe the PFF stats, and of course they're always to be taken with a pinch of salt, but they've only got four defensive players above the grade of seventy. The worst player per PFF they have who's played more than five snaps is Minka Fitzpatrick, PFF grade of 39.6. It just can't be true. I don't believe it. But you went through some of their other bigger players. They have Devin Bush has obviously had a really good start to his career, Terrell Edmonds. Ones that were picked out actually by the, the guy from the Pride of Detroit podcast, two of the other edge players alongside um, TJ Watt. First one was Alex Highsmith. So I believe he's a second-round player being called a phenom from the NCC says North Carolina Charlotte team. I, I have no idea who they are, but he's come in and had an absolutely fantastic start to his career. And the other one is actually, I think, from the Chiefs, Taco Charlton. So he's yeah. come in and he's actually hit the ground running with a really good start to the season. He's on his fourth different team in four years. Um, but he, he's a force to be reckoned with. He was drafted in round one four years ago from Michigan. And I mean, he might be a problem in the dressing room, in the locker room, locker room. But you know, you got to account for him on that side. Yeah, we were not mentioning Chris Wormley as well, who is always a threat um, on the inside. So, you know, they've got plenty of weapons, um, but you know, they've they've consistently um, held their own against some tough, tough battles in the AFC North this season. Um, you know, beating Buffalo in, in the opening week. Uh, Buffalo is certainly going to be a contender for the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've also seen the Steelers be very ordinary. So it just depends on, on which version turns up. Um, but, yeah, Saul against TJ Watt. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, especially with Saul effectively, considering the last nine weeks, playing out of position to do so. So... Oh, it's going to be a hard one. I mean, Saul has shown himself to hold up very well against Bull Rush and struggle slightly against Speed and Watt offers both. So, you know, if there's a player, I think, in the league right now that is almost impossible to block, it would be him. So I hope that Saul can hold out, but I am not putting too much stock in him. I think that Saul will struggle, and I think anyone will struggle in that position. So it's a battle I can't wait to see. I do fear the worst slightly. Um, in terms of the ways to win, what do you think the Lions have to do to win this game? We've kind of identified it a bit further up, but let's condense it all into kind of one thing now. What If the Lions win this game, what happens? I, I think we absolutely have to, um, you know, get the best out of that Swift and Williams one-two punch. Now, I know Williams has missed a couple of practices. Yeah, Trending's think... not playing. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't play, then I think it's a chance for Jamar Jefferson to, you know, be that workhorse back and um, see what he can do at the middle. But, I, I mean, Jamar Williams strikes me as a tough cookie, and I wouldn't be surprised if he is playing. Um, but, you know, Swift absolutely needs to step up. Uh, I Maybe I've been a bit higher on, on Swift um, than some others on the podcast who seem to be a bit disappointed with him, but... For me, he's like one of the shining stars in terms of talent. Um, you know, Goff has not has not been a downfield threat. So I want to see um, Anthony Lynn really improve the schemes. Uh, I don't want to see Goff consistently throwing one or two yards behind the line, but that we absolutely have to, just in the same way as the Saints do constantly with Alvin Kamara, utilise him in the backfield, um, mix up the, the running and passing playing, keep the, the, the defence guessing and get the ball to Swift and see what he can do. 
And that also releases TJ Hawkinson because far too many times Hawkinson has been double teamed. And if we can establish a threat in the backfield, that will certainly take some of the pressure off him. So aside from what we said before about stopping the run and getting pressure on Ben, you know, we've talked about the trenches before. It's the same every week pretty much, but it's especially important here. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. Every game so far, to my recollection, that we've competed in, like really competed in, not just kind of feigned competition, Khalif Raymond has been a factor in those games. And the reason that we've competed in those games that he's been a factor is that he opens up everyone else. You need to have a receiver that the other team needs to respect. And when he came out and had several receptions, got his 100-yard game or whatever, it's going to open up everyone else. So I want to see Raymond getting into this game. I know people are excited about the fact that, you know, we've got Josh Reynolds now coming up and he's a different type of receiver one we haven't got yet. But whether he plays on Sunday or not, I don't know. I mean, he's probably just getting to the building this evening. And then, you know what, he'll learn a handful of plays and maybe he'll get out there for 10 snaps. But he's not going to be a fundamental part of this game. The season moving forward, absolutely. But it's, I think it's a, too soon to expect too much from him. A receiver has to be a part of this game. Whether it's Raymond or Amon Ra, I don't mind and I don't care. But someone has to be a factor in that wide receiver room so that the defense doesn't just stack the box with eight. Because Swift doesn't break tackles in the run game. He absolutely does in the pass game. But he struggles taking a handoff and breaking tackles. His, you know, expected yards per run and his actual yards per run, you know, the, the, the variance in that is one of the worst in the league. He has good blocking, so that doesn't mean his yards per carry are actually too bad. But he's not doing... He, he's being dealt a bum hand because the box is so stacked. So let's give our running game a chance by passing to open up the run a little bit. That's what I want to see. But I, I think the issue here is, you know, I mean, against the Eagles, he had one target. You, you know, I mean, what's up with that? Um, against the Vikings, two targets. He's had uh, 25 targets, 24 targets in the last five games. I mean, he's not. He's averaging yeah, like four, four and a half targets a game. That's and did nine not... of those come in one game as well? Yeah, against the Rams. Um, so it's just we're just not utilising him enough. And whether this is you know the the classic Goff check down, I, I I don't know. But we have to get the ball to him. Yeah, absolutely. He's a. If we're going to win the game, Swift is going to be a big part of it. I would like to see Jamar Jefferson come in and get to the start. So Jamal Williams, I do not think will play. It's the same injury he had two weeks ago, which kept him out of that game. So if it's been lingering this long, you know, maybe he comes back, but I'm not counting on it. Swift cannot be your starting running back as a runner. He absolutely can start as a receiver. If I would like him to start as a receiver, but I'd like to see Jamal Jefferson come in and be a bit bruising. He's a really good one cut back. And, you know, one cutbacks are going to be good against this defensive line because they're going to get pressures and you need to be able to have the vision to sidestep that into space and he can do that. Yeah, I, I absolutely do not want to see DeAndre Swift taking like 40 touches in a game. Absolutely not. All right. So, actually, all I had, we did have a question from analysts saying, if you have any other questions as well, I'd love for you guys to, to throw them out there so that we can talk about that. There's actually one other thing I want to mention, but I just want to have this from Analytics Den, who's our token Lions slash Rams fan on our Discord. Um, he said, for this draft class, will the Lions draft a cornerback early and what's Akuda's future if, if he turns out well? So I guess the scenario is if he returns back into training, gets activated next week for that game, starts, plays well and plays the rest of the season to a high level, what's going to happen with Akuda? And do you see us drafting a corner cornerback early at all? Is there any chance? I think the problem is is that there's only really Stingley in in terms of that's is going to be worth a pick in the top ten. I don't know if you would agree with that. I'm I'm not sure what Ryan and, and, and Ant would think about that, but Stingley seems the only option as a corner. And you know, he's you know, he's missed a lot of the season. I think he's got a foot injury. Um so it just seems like a massive risk. Um, 
for me, I would much rather see us um, invest in a safety like Kyle Hamilton or just go with the best player on the board, which is probably going to be Thibodeau. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see us drafting a cornerback early. You're right, Stingley is the only guy who's reportedly up there in the top 10. And I don't even think it's worth a top 10 pick. His rookie year was absolutely fantastic, but he hasn't been the same guy since. So I don't want to go there. But I'm not against drafting a cornerback early. You know, I, I don't see it happening because of how many other needs we have. But if we drafted one at the top of the second, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean... Akuda moving back to safety has been vaunted by some people, and it could definitely happen. I don't want it to. I want to give him a chance, but it could definitely happen, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I really do hope if he turns out well, and if he does, that could decide Akuda's future for him. Although, if you've watched this podcast before, if you listen to this podcast before, you'll know I'm no Armani Oruwari fan. Um, I think he's a bust at this point. You know, he's got a, just over a year longer in his contract, and don't get me wrong. We have failed him as a team, as a coaching staff. It's not his fault, but we are where we are. And the clock is ticking on his career. He has picks thrown directly at him. And, you know, it's not like he's read the play. He's just there. So, you know, his interception stats are fine. But he gets burned continually in coverage. So if Iffy plays well, I think we could start Akuda and Iffy on the outside next year. That's what I would say about Akuda's future if he does turn out well. Question from Mathistafa. Bit flippant, but I'll read it out anyway. Which will be greater in this game? The sum of all Goff's passing yards before the catch or Fox's longest punt of the game? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we... Well, I mean, you know, I mean... Goff has been consistently bad. Um, is 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 Goff going to have a breakout game? You know, ha, have they re-schemed the offense during the bye week? I, I would love to say yes, but my my fear is that we're going to see, as I said, the the rabbit in the headlights, Goff uh, at Hinesfield. So yeah, it's not not looking good. I don't know. The last few. The last few games, he's come out firing, especially in the first four or five minutes with a couple of 10 or 15-yard passes before going into his shell. I can't imagine him not getting 60 yards before the catch. I just can't. And, and you know, Fox can get a 70-yard punt in there, but that's on the odd occasion. You know, he averages 50 yards a punt. If he gets a 60 in there, great. I think Goff has to do better than that, even in his worst game. So... Oh. I think we're more likely to see more yards on a fake punt. Yeah, maybe so. A um, little bit of breaking news has just come out, and I'm just seeing if I can see what the contract value is. But OBJ has a home. OBJ has a new home. He has gone to the Los Angeles Rams to join up with Matthew Stafford. Ooh. And, <laughs> you know, they are going for it. So... According to Rappaport, he said, from the beginning of the process, OBJ spotlighted the Packers and Rams as his top targets. Other teams tried, but in the end, it's down to two. And then Shafters just said, so this is the place where Sean Jackson left because he couldn't get any targets. Well, good luck, OBJ, with that. I mean, Cooper Cup, Woods, they're all going to feel this. You know, OBJ is not going to want to sit back in that offense and be a passenger but cup relies on being fed so do you think that's a fit i mean let's forget about the rams for a second and let's get ourselves onto packers twitter this is going to be absolutely lit <laughs> oh the, the 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 saltiness the wailing the gnashing of teeth oh this is going to be good um yeah i mean i think um the, the Rams are up, you know, absolutely in win now mode, and I, I mean, for me, you've got to look, you've got to look at McVeigh and how he is going to handle OBJ, and you know, you would have thought that the conversation would have been very much to Cooper Cup. You know, this is someone who's going to take the pressure off you. You know, the the the, the Rams don't have a great depth at wide receiver. They've got oh. probably, oh. I, I don't, I don't think they have. I, I, I think yeah, the Rams have, have got. One of the you know, probably the top three wide receiver in the league, um, 
but I, I don't think necessarily they've got like multiple threats. They, they are fairly reliant on Cup and OBJ will absolutely add value. I'm, I'm not going with that at all. Um, let me bring up pro football reference. So Go on, you, Cup, you, you get a PFF. and yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to get a pro, pro football reference. But off the top of my head, as I'm typing this out, they have, they have Cup, Woods and Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson has been terrific as WR3. Yeah, I mean, really uh, you know, Woods, Woods has been doing it for, for a while. Um, but you know, it's been a bit injury prone. Um, mm. Jefferson's made some very, very good catches. Um, but I, I wouldn't say he's absolutely prolific. So, cut already topped a thousand yards, 1019 yards, and 74 receptions, average of 13.8 yards a catch. Robert Woods, 556 yards on 45 catches, that's 12.4 yards per catch. Van Jefferson, only just behind, 433 on 27 catches, is okay. 16 yards per catch. Uh, that's more than I thought. I, uh, apologies to Van Jefferson. That's, and then they uh, got Tyler Higby as well, at tight end. I mean, that's yeah. a now, he, he's, he's a very good threat. Yeah, so they are loaded. If they do not win a Super Bowl this year, I mean, whether they do win a Super Bowl this year, that team has got to get butchered in the next couple of years, because they're going to be an absolute cap, surely. How are they affording this deal? Well, I mean, I, I, I think OBJ is just going to be a you know half a season deal. You know, I, I, I would imagine he'll be moving on again next season. I, I can't imagine him still at the Rams this time next year. What a fall from grace. Um, right, just the last thing I wanted to mention about whether we can win this game. And I kind of mentioned it on Monday's pods, but it's worth stating again. The Lions are a team that play up and down to their opposition, but they don't just play up and down to their opposition. They play up to the reputation and down to the reputation of their opposition. So apparently it's a vet min deal for OBJ. So like $1 million, fun times. Um, so they play up and down to their opposition, but Pittsburgh, they're not a good team. I don't care what people say. Like fundamentally, they've got a couple of stars, but it's not enough to win a Super Bowl. It's it's enough to maybe just about make the playoffs, but it's not a good team. But the Pittsburgh Steelers are the name. They are the the cornerstone of the. No matter how bad we are, we are never going below five hundred in the season. That is their benchmark for success. Anything less than that is absolute and total failure. And you've got to applaud them for that. And with that comes that certain aura. And the Lions players are going to feel that. We're playing the Pittsburgh Steves on Sunday. They're going to come in fired up. They're going to come in ready to bite kneecaps. And I hate using that phrase because it's so overused at this point. But I feel like it's appropriate with this game in particular. They're going to come in knowing that they're going to have to throw everything at this to win. And so Dan Campbell is going to know as well. Ken's absolutely right in the chat. They're a middling team with good leadership. But what that means is that we've got a real chance in this game. Yes, they've got Harris, and you've got to shut him down. They've got TJ Watt, and you've got to shut him down as much as you can. They've got stars. I'm not saying they don't. But you play against the Bears, you know their shit. And so we play even worse. But this Steelers team is worse than people think, but they're still the Steelers, and so we're going to play really hard. And... I don't know. I think as a combination, it's one of the games I'm most hopeful about because of that fact. I I don't know whether you buy into that argument at all. No, I didn't think you would. But when when will you ever learn, Matt? When will you ever learn? You 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 know you talked me into picking the the um, against the Eagles. It was you single handedly and your boundless optimism that talked me into into picking. Against the Eagles, uh, I think that I said that the Lions were going to win by 12, 13 points. We got absolutely destroyed. They okay, put I, 40 uh, points up against I, us. Against the Eagles are absolutely, uh, I mean, if you think the Bears are crap, the Eagles are appalling. And oh, we made them look like, you know, absolute Super Bowl contenders. I mean, they the thing absolutely is, destroyed us. The Eagles and this, are, this is not the Eagles, this is Mike Tomlin. Yes. At Heinz Field. Yes. Come I'm on. Sorry. Okay, so the Eagles... Let's, are, let's not do this to ourselves. The Eagles are better than the Bears. And yeah. also, 
if I talked you into that, I apologize because if I talked you into that, it's going to tell you something when I said I went for a one point win and you went for 13. So I must have sold you down a fucking river. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but I, I have been picking against the Lions by about 20 points on average. So I, I think I, I, I just looked at the team and I looked at Jalen Hurts and I looked at the the kind of lack of weapons and I just thought, you know, this this is the chance and the, the Lions are not going to want to go into the bye, you know, winless. But it was just a really limp, flat performance. Yeah. Uh, particularly after we'd seen some really nice flashes and a bit of fight against the Rams. You know, I, I don't want to be that Vikings team where you never know what you're going to get week in, week out. Like, we need to be consistent. And my worry is that we, we've lost a bit of that consistency. The the Bengals, we played appallingly. I guess the Eagles played appallingly. And, and the Bears. The Bears, I kind of put it a bit on the coaching staff rather than the players, because I just felt that we we were too timid and it wasn't necessarily on the players' performance. It was just that we gave them way too much respect. Um, but, you know, it, it, if I was to pick a couple of coaches in the a- AFC that I would not want to, you know, go against, and particularly with Dan Campbell in his first season, obviously Bel- Belichick, obviously... Uh, Vrabel and and Mike Tomlin, you know, I mean, the the, the guy is so so good. Um, he's he's been consistently good, and he he's someone who will not let his players sleepwalk into losing against an 0 and eight team. I mean, he might not let them sleepwalk into it, but you certainly almost let them do it against the Bears. And I know the Bears flashed in that game, and Justin Fields had probably his best games a pro. Um, made some really nice plays. Cole Komet came alive and, you know, their O-line held up pretty well. But they're still well, they the st- Yeah, they, they stopped the Steelers' run and, you know, they stopped Najee Harris. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just, I really, really worry about the consistency of our performance, the mistakes, the fact that our secondary is just, you know, a disaster waiting to happen. And, I, you know, I, I, as, as much as I would love to, to buy in, I'm still picking the Steelers by 10. Yeah, comes to picking the game, doesn't it? I mean, I'm going Steelers too. I'm, I'm not picking the Lions for the rest of the year. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, Have I talked to you out, out of the Lions? I mean, I think I was already there after the Eagles game, but yeah, kind of. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I the Steelers haven't won a game that's bigger than one possession so far this season. Does that continue? I mean, this is the worst team they've played so far. But they do tend to play up and down to their opposition just as much as we do. I could see a two-point game. I can see a two-point game. Like, I don't know, 26-24, something to that effect. I don't know how we do that. Is that even possible? That's a good score with Garmin to me, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to say like say 24, 14, uh, uh, maybe. I mean, 14 sounds like a very goth score to be honest. And of course, yeah, we'll for... get there with like two field goals and an eight-point play. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, going to be interesting but... to see Ryan Santoso out there though potentially as our kicker if Cyber can't go. Yeah, I mean, Cyber's been really good, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that he will be be ready. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, this is about uh, my expectations are low. I'm I'm not going to get myself worked up about this, particularly after the Eagles game. I just want to see Saul do what he did against Aaron Donald, where you know we've had so much negativity about Saul, people going on about how we should have made Jamar Chase to pick. Jamar Chase did absolutely zip last week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sick of these like overreactions on, on draft picks. So we've seen some steady development and against Aaron Donald, we showed he got real fight and I hope he does exactly the same against TJ Watt. And for me, that's what's going to keep me interested in this game this week. Yep, absolutely fair. Right, I think we're going to wrap it there. Our next episode's going to be on Monday, 15th of November. It's the Lions at Steelers review show. 
Don't forget to check out the College Football Podcast aired yesterday reviewing Week 10 and our watch party on Sunday on Discord. DM us for the link, 5.45 UK time, 12.45 Eastern time in the States. And just to say, I booked my tickets for the Thanksgiving game. I am coming for that and the Michigan, uh, the um, Ohio State at Michigan game. If you are uh, a listener to this podcast, you are from Michigan or from Detroit, you're going to either game or you're going to be in the area, I'd love to come and meet you, have a drink, just have a chat about the Lions. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Please do hit me up. It's um, at RT underscore UK on Twitter or I'm at mturnerNFL. That would be really, really fun um, to, to meet some of you guys. So please do that. Otherwise, socials, Royal the Lions UK, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook group, Worldwide Fans is Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. On the web, RoyalTheLionsUK.com. Subscribe, rate five stars, likes, YouTube videos, whatever. Would love if you guys could do that. Um, Debt Fan Man's just a very excited for your trip. What a weekend for a first time experience. Couldn't agree more. I'm just sad that I'm actually missing out on half the trip. So the plan was to go out five days earlier and go to uh, MSU at OSU in the Horseshoe, then Lions at Cleveland and then the bit that I'm doing. So, oh, money's in short supply. We had an offer accepted on a house today. So, you know, got to try. Oh, well done. Yeah, I mean, it's not done till it's done. But, you know, first step. Thank God for that. So, yeah, yeah, can't wait for that. It's only two weeks to go until the Lions at the Bears. Uh, Bears at Lions, sorry. Thanksgiving. Yeah, you, so, you, you'll have an absolutely great trip. And the atmosphere at Ford Field is is just awesome um, and you couldn't have picked a, a better game to go to so um, yes absolutely uh, jealous that I'm, I'm not going to be coming but uh, hopefully next year yeah yeah fingers crossed right those are the socials that's Steve I'm Matt thank you very much for joining us we'll see you on Monday for the next podcast we'll see you on Sunday for the game but for now let's go Lions one pride one pride one pride